hey, everybody, long story short, we're having a little uh, family emergency, and I'm not probably not going to be able to do Pastor Petey this week, probably not going to be able to do a park rant this weekend like I normally would, but I didn't want to leave y'all hanging, so I decided to throw up an oldie but a goodie. This is What you're about to hear is the very first episode of a podcast I used to do with my buddy Matt Coon. We started it at the very beginning of the pandemic. It's called Through the Screen Door. By the way, uh, Through the Screen Door will be coming back in some capacity whenever my wife uh, gets off of work for the summer, as you know she's a teacher and this uh this is a very interesting listen some of you may have heard it before because you knew me back then but some of you only have discovered me recently so you didn't it's a it's an interesting listen because like i said it started uh, at the very beginning of the pandemic. So it's almost like being in a time capsule, some of these references. Um, I also did monologue jokes at the very beginning, and it's just so interesting to hear how like the 24-hour news cycle is. You listen to some of these, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that day that that mattered. <laughs> you know what I mean? This is also before I realized how important uh, – learning how to use audio and stuff was going to be in my life because this is at the beginning of the pandemic, man. Like I didn't realize that so much of my life was going to be spent behind a microphone and doing podcasts on the internet. Like I didn't have the highest of speed internet. I wasn't hardwired in. This was all streaming and stuff. So anyways, uh, I'm sorry for the lack of quote unquote content that may, you know, who knows, maybe everything will work out. And um and I'll I'll be putting out Pastor Petey, but I don't I definitely don't want to plan for it because I don't know. Uh, but anyways, never want to leave y'all hanging. So enjoy this the very first episode of Through the Screen Door that was recorded, I believe June fourth, twenty twenty. It's an interesting listen. I hope you enjoy. Hopefully, I'll be back soon. Love y'all. Talk to you later. Bye bye. <laughs> The following is a paid political advertisement. Hey, y'all. It's me, Bubba, and I'm running for Congress in the great state of Mississippi. While many politicians pander to their constituents, I don't listen to none of y'all. But I do answer to a high calling and hold myself to three unwavering principles. Number one, the Bible and the Constitution are heaven-sent and were handed to us like a rattle out of the baby Jesus' hand as the Word of God. And of course, by God, I mean that in the very, very narrowest definition possible, completely based on what patch of land I happen to be born on and what my parents told me to believe. Number two, Donald Trump is a brilliant, energetic, handsome, and healthy man, as well as the instrument by which we interpret and apply these two tools. Number three, I, Bubba, do not give the wispiest of a blonde pussy hair worth of a fuck. With Bubba in office, you know what you'll get. The kind of reliance that you can count on from Ted Cruz and Paul Ryan and Marco Rubio, but without the pretense of morality and integrity on the front side. Bubba won't waste your time. Sure, I see the polls, and, and we may be in trouble, but first of all, rule number three. And second of all, I'm hoping that the hippies will be too busy playing hacky sack and making a bong out of an avocado to vote. That gives me hope. Bubba, in 2020, I might sneak in, and I don't give a fuck. Call me Donald. 
The proceeding was a paid political advertisement. But now it's time for Through the Screen Door with Corey Ryan Forrester. This week on Through the Screen Door, Corey reviews Green Lantern. We take a look at this week in Southern history and a special appearance by our guest, the Buttercream Dream. And now, the man himself, straight from his refrigerator of shame to your living room. What's up, Corey? All right, what's going on, everybody, and welcome to the show. Roger Stone is under fire for using a racial slur during an interview with a black radio host. When asked to comment, Roger Stone lit a smoke bomb, threw it on the ground, and screamed, Batman will never get to me. Now you must solve these riddles three. <laughs> it's like a Batman villain. The, uh, the WHO, or the WHO, reported over a quarter million coronavirus cases in one day. When briefed an email about this, Donald Trump said, who reported over a quarter million coronavirus cases in one day? And his press secretary said, yes. Trump said, no. Who did? The press secretary said, yes, that's what I said. Who did? No, that's what I'm asking you. Why I oughta. <laughs> I love the current reference. Yeah, it's great. There's nothing more current than the who's on first trope. Speaking of President Trump, President Trump's re-election campaign pushed a series of Facebook ads this weekend accusing the Chinese video app TikTok. You're on you're on TikTok, TikTok, aren't you, Coon? You're you're up to you're up to speed with the kids. There's nothing people want to do more than watch me dance. That's right. We're all TikToking over here. The, the ads uh, from the Trump campaign were accusing the app TikTok of spying on Americans. Look, running ads on Facebook. Accusing a company of spying is like running ads on this podcast, accusing uh, somebody or something of being, you know, not well thought out, unintelligent, unnecessary, and overall a desperate cry for help from a worthless piece of shit. You know what I'm saying? Like, come on. They're spying on people. That's their whole thing. They sell information. But now because the Chinese people do it and there's like hip grandmas on there dancing, all of a sudden we're supposed to give a fuck. I don't buy it. I don't like it. I'll tell you another company that I often uh, don't buy it from, Walmart. Uh, They are the latest in a long line of companies who are requiring their patrons to wear a mask while they shop there. In a follow-up to this news, a spokesman for the company assured customers that their policy on not taking a shower or wearing pants that even a little bit fit will remain unchanged. So they don't, you know, the base doesn't have to worry. You understand what I'm saying? Pants are optional still. Absolutely. At Walmart, are you kidding me? Why do you, why would you listen? If you have pants, what do you need to be at Walmart for? <laughs> when I was a kid, it was just like, oh shit, where's your pants? We better go to Walmart. And most of the people I see at Walmart probably are improved by wearing a mask. Abs- oh, dude, are you kidding me? This part of people's face that goes to Walmart is not doing them any favors. Have you ever, I, there's, I've always had like this conspiracy theory that like Walmart has some sort of like weird filter like when you walk in it it, it's similar to the dmv like when i go to the walmart or the dmv i constantly go okay there's no way that i am the only good looking person in this place and i'm and i don't consider myself an adonis i'm just saying when i go to walmart i'm like i know for a fact i'm better looking than everybody here when i go to the dmv i know i'm better looking and smarter than everybody there what is it like did we just walk in there and it's like some sort of like uh uh, Twin Peaks fucking, I don't, I don't get it. Well, over in Minnesota, police used drones this past week to monitor nudity on a Minnesota beach. 
Uh, when asked to comment, the policeman on duty said, and I quote, uh, don't look at me in the face. Oh, God, they can totally tell. I'm so ashamed. Please, someone get me some ice for my shoulder. Why can't I make a fist? Blue lives was, matter. Am I right? The, yeah, yeah. They were, she was jerking off. See, that's the best, best jerk off joke I've written in a week. Trader Joe's, Cone. You go to Trader Joe's a lot after you get through TikToking. Love Trader Joe's. Love Trader Joe's. Got to love Trader Joe's. I love Trader Joe's. Well, Trader Joe's is taking a step in the right direction. Trader Joe's has decided to remove uh, a bunch of products that they now deem racist branding and packaging, uh, such as Trader Jose's Mexican products, Trader Ming's Asian products, and of course, our favorite, Trader Murray Weinberg's Bagels and Borscht. Wow. On the nose with that one, Mark. <laughs> I, I think it's a solid, solid decision. Yeah, I do too. Uh, here's something that I don't find to be a solid decision. Taco Bell is removing some long-running menu items to make way for more uh, new ones. And one of the items that they are removing includes my favorite side item of all time, the Cheesy Fiesta Potatoes. And I do not have a joke here, ladies and gentlemen, but I would like to observe a moment of silence. <laughs> You can fix that in post, right? That's the monologue, everybody. We got it. We nailed it. First monologue. Corey, it is our first show. How you feeling? How you feeling today, man? I'm feeling a lot better once we got through that. I feel like a professional. What's your inspiration for your jokes this week? Of course, Trump is always just a nonstop wellspring, right? Yeah, he is. And I, so I do my, I do my best usually like when we're on tour and stuff, like people always assume people that haven't seen us, they're like, Oh, I bet you guys just literally go up there and just read Trump's tweets, you know, and you just make fun of Trump the whole time. Cause it's low hanging fruit. And like, it's actually the completely opposite that I normally try to do. Cause like, I know that people think that's what you're going to do. So I try not to, like, I don't think I've said Trump's name on stage in like two and a half years. I've definitely alluded to him and like, you kind of, you know, you knew what I was doing, but you know, come on. It's the monologue. We got to, if they're all going to be thrown away anyways, let's fuck with him a little bit. And yeah, he unfortunately is a never ending whale of bullshit. And I left a lot on the field. I'm not going to lie. With someone like Trump, we always hear from comedians that I hear a couple things. I've heard that making fun of someone like Obama's tough because he's no drama Obama, but I've also heard from comedians that making fun of Trump is really difficult because he, he he's parody that's larger than life. Yeah, I think that's true. Like, honest to God, like, you know, I know a lot of people were like, when 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 Obama was in the administration, they're like, oh, Saturday Night Live was easy on Obama and comedians were easy on Obama. And it's like, yeah, but, and it's not just that I agreed with, because I didn't agree with everything that that dude did. I disagreed with a lot of it. I found out after I voted for him the second time, like, oh shit, I voted for a moderate and I thought I was voting for a liberal. So it's not that. It's just kind of like what he was, he was cool. He was super cool. And that's really hard to make fun of. Like, it's insanely hard to make fun of somebody who, Number one is cool. And number two, if you made fun of Obama to his face, I know he would either just shake it off and be like, well, good to see you. Thank you. I appreciate you. Thank you for your vote. Uh, he would just shake it off because he's cool. Whereas like, you know, Trump is going to have an actual fucking meltdown because he's a child. But yeah, sincerely, I actually do. Like, I kind of now wish like, man, I didn't know how good I had it. I could have made some really good Obama jokes because nobody would have thought that I was going to do it. And that would have been like more creatively fulfilling to me like if you can really get one over on obama that's good but like yeah with trump it's like what am i gonna write that is funnier 
than the fucking insane diatribe that he went on on his toilet last night while he was Adderalled out of his mind. And it's starting though to get like where it's, it's, it's kind of hard for me to even say funnier than him. Cause like it's starting to get where like, all right, what he's saying in a vacuum is funny, but like, fuck man, he's the leader of the free world. <laughs> like this isn't funny anymore. It'd be really funny if my uncle who didn't matter said it, like my uncle can be funny and say that, but, but my uncle doesn't fucking matter. So I don't know, man. But yeah, I think it's been more difficult, honestly. And there's things that are so outrageous that we've even forgot about already. I was reminded recently that Trump thought he could buy Greenland. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was like right before COVID or something. And that's the, that's the thing about him, man. And I don't know if it's he's so stupid or so brilliant that he knows I can say whatever I want because by the time everyone gets their think piece written up on me saying that I'm going to buy Greenland, I will have said, insert whatever fucking insane thing <laughs> there is like the next day. And like with the, with the news cycle being 48 hours, you really, you legitimately cannot keep up. Like we have forgotten more dumb shit that he has said than Obama ever said in his entire life. And I'm not just sitting here trying to jerk off Barack Obama. Honest to God, I, you could kind of say that about Bush too. And Bush was like known for saying dumb shit. But like when Bush said dumb shit, you could tell he was at least trying to say the right thing. And I'm and I don't want to be a Bush sympathizer either, but you could tell like when he was giving his speech or when he was asked something, he was trying to give the best response that he could. And sometimes he would fuck up a word because he was a goddamn idiot sometimes. But Trump, son, he don't give a fuck, boy. He just literally I, I can't Trump Trump talks to reporters like comedians who don't have a following do podcasts. They just assume no one's listening. So they just open their goddamn mouth and just start going. And then they're like, eh, what does it matter? I mean, no one's going to hear this, right? I mean, we talk about buying Greenland tomorrow. So what does it matter? I, I've never seen anything like it in my life, but again, it's gotten past the point of funny now, I think. And it's just like, fuck, he's been here for four <laughs> years. There's riots in the street. I wonder if those are connected. Well, speaking of comedians without a following, talking on a podcast and saying whatever the fuck they want, welcome to Through the Screen Door, right here on all your podcast platform. Of course, we have a Patreon. It is up and running. You're going to have bonus material. You're going to have daily shows. We're going to have video, all kinds of cool stuff over on the Patreon. And Corey, we can talk about it all day, but why don't we tell them what's coming up on the show today? Man, we've got a lot of cool bits that I was really happy to write over the past few days, and I've really just had a field day with this. Uh, you are going to hear uh, some uh, zany commercials. Uh, you are going to hear a, a, it's, you know, hell, everything's a new segment. This is the first episode of the podcast. But as we said, me and you were talking about off mic, it's like, you know, we're going to try out a bunch of bits. Like, this is going to be very experimental. Uh, like, you know, you, you might see Conan would try some bits, uh, one week and then you never heard from them again because maybe that bit didn't work. And and I'm not so ego driven that I think, Oh, everything we do will stick around forever. Cause it's going to be amazing. But I do have a lot of confidence in this segment uh, this week in Southern history, which it's kind of one of those honest to God, I've thought about it. I was like, you know what? Even if fucking every week someone texts me and is like, I fucking hate this week in Southern history. I've had so much fun writing them because I got on like a roll, just uh, I wrote the first one, and then I was like, well, hey, there's nothing, you know, history hadn't changed. There's nothing saying I can't write next week's either. And I've had so much fun. So you're going to hear these uh, little pre recorded stories this week in Southern history that me and my good buddy, producer, Mr. Matt Coon, uh, will then uh, sort of uh, uh, digest and uh, pull apart and, and talk more in depth about. And, uh, and also, 
we watched the Green Lantern this week and are going to record that. We're doing a thing where there's all these like movies out there that are not just shitty, but they're like so shitty that everybody's like, you got to watch them. And I'm, and I'm like, well, I would just rather spend my time watching something that hits, but I've always wanted an excuse to go back and watch some of these shitty movies. And then Coon had the idea. He's like, well, let's just review these shitty movies and people will probably lament, uh, with the two hours that we spent, you know, ruining part of our day. So we watched the green lantern and we're going to discuss that. And uh, am I missing anything here? Well, there's a ton, like you said, we got some silly bits. We've got, we've already heard from Bubba. We're going to hear some fake commercials, but before we do, let's hear from our real sponsor this week. And we'd like to thank them for sponsoring this podcast, our good friends over at Blue Chew. This episode is sponsored by Blue Chew. Let's talk about something we could all use more of right now. Sex. Great sex. Guys, now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com. That's blue like the color blue. Blue Chew brings you your first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis. You can take them anytime, day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill, so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Blue Chew is made in the USA and it's prescribed online by licensed physicians so you don't have to go to the doctor or wait in line and it's even cheaper than a pharmacy and they prepare and ship right to you in a discreet package so there's no more of that awkwardness when you're sitting there waiting in line and and let's say hypothetically you went to school with the girl who's a pharmacist now and she knows and you know that she knows and everybody's like oh god I thought Corey was just a fat bald piece of shit but turns out his wee wee has some trouble from time to time by the way that's not necessarily the only reasons that you should do it you don't have to have a problem down there but if you could benefit from more confidence where it counts blue chew is the fast and easy way to enhance your performance and right now we have a special deal for our listeners visit bluechew.com and get your first shipment free god damn free it's free when you use our special promo code screen door all you have to do is pay five dollars shipping for a rock hard wiener again that's blue chew.com promo code screen door to try it for free blue chew is the cheaper better and faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring this podcast and remember when you support our sponsors you help make this podcast possible so please be sure to use our promo code screen door at bluechew.com any of you guys that listen to my other podcast the well-read podcast you've heard me go on and on about blue chew and if you haven't heard this story the very first time i used blue chew this is a true story i didn't tell my wife because I was concerned that it would be the stereotypical thing that you see in romantic comedies or, you know, people make jokes about where, like, I, you know, I tell her I took this thing and then all of a sudden it's, oh, what? I'm not attractive to you anymore. You need something to make it work. And that's not the case. It's just I'm a very stressed out guy and, you know, sometimes I drink too much. So, like, I just want that extra oomph. So, I got so much of that extra oomph that after we were done, I roll over and my wife goes, um, okay what's going on and i was like what do you mean what's going on and she goes well that ain't your dick and she was right it was not it was a blue chew aided dick so go to bluechew.com and use the promo code screen door and get you a new dick try it for free and now Corey ryan forster with his new hit that ain't his dick that ain't his dick 
Just like the glove when we finally fuck Still too much hair left on his bone But you just can't win them all That's my man in our van But that ain't his dick This week in Southern history Actually, today in Southern history, if you're listening to this when it first aired on July 21st, the Scopes trial, a.k.a. the state of Tennessee versus John Thomas Scopes, or what it was affectionately referred to by folks who, let's just say, weren't all that excited about the word evolution, the Scopes monkey trial finally came to a decision. The year was 1925, which of course we all look back on fondly as an age of enlightenment in America. Benito Mussolini had just dissolved Italian Parliament proclaiming himself the dictator of Italy, Adolf Hitler publishes Mein Kampf, and the first issue of The New Yorker is published, which many Southerners, including my papaw, considered to be the worst of the three events. John Scopes had been accused of violating the Butler Act, which made it illegal in Tennessee to teach evolution in a school if it was funded by the state. This was passed to prohibit teachers from denying the Bible as the end-all be-all to man's creation. Ah yes, a state religion. Surely that's nothing to literally get up in arms about and leave to start your own country. (laughs) Wait, wait, I feel like I, I heard that somewhere. Anyways, the trial brought a national frenzy to the small town of Dayton, Tennessee, as famed attorney and three-time presidential candidate William Jennings Bryan argued for the prosecution and the sophisticated country lawyer himself, Clarence Darrow, argued in favor of Mr. Scopes and, by proxy, the goddamn truth. Clarence Darrow being the 1925 equivalent of what we now refer to as a goddamn G, called a play straight out of left field, and on the seventh day of the trial, you know, the day when God would have been resting, he called William Jennings Bryan to the stand as a witness to help prove his point that the Bible, much like Mother Goose, was not science. In one line of questioning, Darrow cited the book of Genesis and the story of Adam and Eve as means to point out how utterly ridiculous it would be for people to believe that an entire generation of people could sprout from only one mother and one father. He then presumably realized that he was in Dayton, Tennessee, and sort of let that one go. On the final day of the trial, July 21, 1925, Scopes was found guilty of what I assumed many called witchcraft, or thinking like some sort of queer, and fined $100, which in today's money, due to inflation or the evolution of our economy, amounts to $1,500. William Jennings Bryan died five days after the trial concluded. God could not be reached for testimony. So that was this week in Southern history. Corey, the guy who was arguing for God is the one who died. And the irony's not lost on you, I bet. No, not at all. William Jennings Bryan, of course not. I mean, how, I mean, it's just, it's irony at such a next level that I could, and I, and honestly, you know what I should have done? I should have read into like how he died. I just remember when I was reading in other, one story was like, uh, he just mysteriously died five days later, which is also how his God, those are the ways in which he works. So I guess it kind of does check out. But yeah, that definitely, I would never wish ill 
on anyone, even people that, that wish ill on me. But I just have to know that Mr. Scopes, whenever he got the news, was just like, well, you know what? That's about, that's about fucking right. That's what you get. That must have been a very unpopular stand to take that the Bible was not science. What do you think kept people from seeing that in the great state of Tennessee in those years? Yeah, man, with with a guy like Clarence Darrow, he's somebody that, and, and, you know, I only, like, in order to write this story, I just wanted a couple key facts just to support my narrative, because I'm a liberal, so that's what I do. I just pick and choose and go, this will be a good little fucking story. I'll write this, but I kind of, after I wrote it, I was like, I need to go back and really research Clarence Darrow, because there's part of me that's that's very curious, because he he was a Southern lawyer, you know, Southern guy himself and a Southern guy in that time. And I know that it's like, it's very shitty of me just to assume like, well, if you were from the South and lived back then, you must have believed this because like in my experience, even though I'm a Southern person who lives in the South now and doesn't believe that to me, for some reason, I want to believe like, oh yeah, we just got here. You know what I'm saying? Like we just evolved as a species and there's only like, you know, 30% of us that actually feel this way. But back then they were all just fucking stupid troglodyted assholes. But there is part of me that is kind of curious if Clarence Darrow actually believed in the Bible and believed all that stuff. But at the same time, I was like, I'm a defense attorney. That doesn't fucking matter. You know what I mean? It's not about what I believe. Like I guarantee you, Johnny Cochran knew that OJ killed that bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, right, I, right. I, I, but I, but those guys that they, they do their job. So there's part of me that's, it's, I'm sure there's a bunch of people listening. Like, really, you don't know shit about Clarence Darrow, but like, I would I would kind of be interested to to read about that because it wouldn't shock me if he was like, it used to be a preacher. Yeah, as our good friend Mike uh, would know, um, you have to be soulless sometimes to be a lawyer, right? Absolutely, that's Mike, our gimmick attorney at gimmickattorney.com. Am I correct? Free plug. Uh, that is absolutely correct, and. The Scopes Monkey Trial. That's such a funny name because yeah, it's it tremendous. sounds like, you know, it sounds like uh, Bobo was up on the stand, <laughs> you know, yeah, being tried yeah, yeah. for something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We saw you with your symbols. Right. But like, <laughs> and, and it's, and that's one of those, that's one of those. Yeah, I got you, didn't I? I got you. Don't you, hey, don't you dare mute when you're laughing. We don't have a, like the audience won't know if I made you laugh if you mute yourself, you fat fuck. (laughs) By the way, can I tell you something real quick? Anybody that listens to my other podcast, where we're a podcast, you have no idea how happy it it makes me to not be the fattest person on my podcast. This is unbelievable. I haven't experienced this in four fucking years. Well, I've been watching you closely, Corey, and that could change. Oh, it's coming. I mean, that's the thing. You've got like what ten years on me? About about ten years. Yeah, and you've and about ten years worth of good fatten. You know, like I listen. I'm I'm on the path. Honest to God, I'm on the path to pass you. Like 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 you're the Jack Nicholas of fat. I'm Tiger Woods, and it's like yeah, sure. I don't have as many majors as you right now, but look at how old I am and how much longer I have to play. I'm probably going to get there. <laughs> But the scopes, the scopes monkey trial, like them calling it that, was like just such a clear like smear. I mean, and again, this is coming from someone who researched this for two seconds, so I could right. write a story like that the, I'm very um, proud of. It's like the Chinese flu. It's like the Chinese flu, or it's like, in my opinion, now this may have been our fault as as liberals, but like I always felt like if it was us that came out of the gate calling it global warming instead of climate change, that was such a dumb fucking thing to do because like 
it, it immediately open it up to where people can be like, oh, uh, well, it's January and it's cold, so therefore global warming don't exist. And with the Scopes monkey trial, it's so clear they can be like, what? Y'all think we came from monkeys? And then, like, I, dude, I still hear people to this day say the 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 uh, stereotypical, well, if we came from monkeys, then why is there still monkeys? Explain to me that one, Mr. Liberal Smart Funny Man. It's like they didn't say, they said, we have a common ancestor. God fucking damn it. Why can't we just know that these people are fucking stupid when we start to name a thing and name it accordingly? We can't ever do that. Hello, and welcome to Dipshit of the Week. In this segment, we will tell you who our Dipshit of the Week is and tell you what they did this week that was so, uh, dipshitty. This week's DSOTW is none other than Tucker Carlson, a true blue-chip prospect and overall five-tool dipshit. Whether he is denying Sandy Hook, jacking off Donald Trump, or getting his shit pushed in by Jon Stewart on national TV, Tucker never fails to act like the sentient green and pink bow tie on its way to the douchebag ball that he truly is. This week, Tucker's head writer was let go after it was reported that he had been posting racist remarks online. Well, well, goddamn, can a guy get some practice in for his job? Come on. Don't worry, though, the My Pillow guy, yes, the guy who invented the My Pillow, which seems to be, as far as I can tell, a pillow, came to Carlson's defense when he said that Carlson shouldn't have to apologize for something someone else had said. And and, and honestly, I agree with that. The only thing I'm not quite sure about is, uh, who the fuck asked the My Pillow guy? Because, you know, aside from that, I mean, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. After these reports came out, Tucker announced that he was taking a long and planned vacation. And well, I speak for everyone here at Through the Screen Door with Corey Ryan Forster Podcast when I say, have a good vacation, Tucker. You deserve it. I know that it must be exhausting waking up every day and looking for reasons that you and people like you are the true victims. podcast is brought to you by meme also meme also it's blue it's white there's barely any of it and it'll leave your hands drier than a lizard's ding dong in the arizona desert meme also there's only a sliver but it sure will deliver and get them hands clean after onion and liver meme also from the people that brought you leftover green beans in a cool whip tub meme also y'all come back now The Green Lantern. We both watched it. I don't know. We might just watch all bad superhero movies because I had a good time watching it. Corey, what are your first thoughts about this great film with Mr. Ryan Reynolds? Well, I wanted to say it's. I'm kind of going to mirror what you just said, and I will be. I'll give everybody a peek behind the curtain here uh, for a second. We initially wanted to watch Battlefield Earth. 
as our first. Oh, you're going to uh, tell them this. You're going to. I'm going to tell them this because because we're not going to do the thing that we decided not to do anyway. It's fine to tell them why we did it, why we didn't do it. Like we were going to watch Battlefield Earth, which is like a comically shitty movie, and I rented it. Uh, was going to do that, and then I started to watch it, and then Coon texted me, and uh, and you told me that, that Kelly Preston had just died. And that's John Travolta's wife. And you were just like, man, as shitty as that movie is, I don't, I definitely don't think that we should open up with shitting on John Travolta. Right. And I agree right. with that. Like right. that's a hundred percent true, but God rest her soul. It was a blessing in disguise in a way, because let me explain something to you. I watched 10 minutes of battlefield earth and had to go, okay, I'll just, I'll just finish this later. <laughs> and I'm so right. glad that we didn't have right. to do it. I, I'm not glad at the circumstances is why we didn't have to do it. But I'll say that in contrast to this. So you're saying it wasn't worth Kelly Preston dying. It was not. Still, no, no, not at all. Not at all. I, I, wish that, I wish that she was still alive. Okay. But, okay. you know, silver lining. What I'm saying is that Battlefield Earth was so goddamn, and I've only seen 10 minutes of Battlefield Earth, but Battlefield Earth was so goddamn bad, I had to turn it off within 10 minutes and go, I had to take a breath. Like, I almost started smoking again. But with Green Lantern, even though like, yes, it's not a good movie. And maybe this is just because I'm a huge superhero fan and I'm a huge comic book fan. And like when you're a huge comic book fan and, and also uh, not for nothing, a wrestling fan. And I feel like wrestling fans and comic book fans, th- there's a lot of overlap in that. And I think that we are just willing to buy certain things that maybe other people wouldn't buy if it's within the world of like, yeah, but they're superheroes. So fuck you. I don't know what to tell you. So like, even though, yeah, man, I would have done a lot of shit different. Not that anybody in Hollywood's asking me to, but like, I still kind of had fun watching it. If that makes sense. It does. And just a quick capsulation for those of you who have not watched green lantern, um, how Jordan as a young boy, uh, makes eye contact with his father right before he's blown into pieces. Yeah. Um, he becomes a test pilot along with two of his childhood friends who are in the same scene end up being main characters in the movie. There's something unrelated that happens on a far planet. He finds the ring. He turns into Green Lantern. He has a complicated relationship with the girl. The other child that grew up becomes the villain and he's Green Lantern. Did I miss anything? No, you didn't miss anything. Uh, I've got a couple. We'll fill in some gaps here. I'd like to say off top, uh, in the opening in the opening scene, like after they show how Jordan's father exploding uh, right in front of him, the graphics, like, <laughs> I thought like, okay, well, Green Lantern's going to be, it's just a shit story. But like, other than that, it's DC. I'm sure that they nailed it. Like, even though this, like, this was, it, it's not like this was 20 fucking years ago. But, dude, the graphics in this movie literally look like a Power Rangers movie from, like, 95. Like, it lit, like when, I, when, when it first came on, I, the literal first thing I thought of was Dr. Ooze. Was it Dr. Ivan, Ivan Ooze from Power Rangers? Because I was like, God damn, these, gra- like, these graphics are so shitty. It's like they wrote the story and had, like, three months to get it out. And they were like, oh let's get Matt Coon to edit it. Like, I don't know. We don't have anybody. Like, it was like, it was like a movie set to a zoom background. It really was. It really was. And, and also to, to note what you were saying um, about the two main characters being his, you know, best friends and they, and, and, and they, they're there for the explosion. They really 
did a poor job of setting that up in my opinion like it, <laughs> it happened. happened and then like they're fucking she's all hot and looks like she would be someone related to ryan reynolds and then the other dude looks like i mean i'm like look i went bald at 22 23 i'm not saying it can't happen i'm just saying if you're gonna ask an audience to buy this shit that motherfucker he looked 20 years older than everybody he Am did. I wrong? Well, I, let's get to our list. What makes this movie bad? I mean, honestly, to me, what makes the movie bad is twofold. It's A, it was the graphics and the CGI in a time that we were made. Like, Avatar had already come out, in, I think, when this movie came out. So, like, we as an audience, like, if you, if you are the type of person that's going to see Green Lantern, you probably also saw Iron Man. You probably also saw Avatar. You probably also saw a lot of these movies that they were just absolutely crushing in. So, you're going to go in expecting that. And it just was like, dude, the first fucking, like, the, the first time we see aliens, they literally, it was like, oh, those are the Mars Attacks aliens. They look like the Mars Attacks aliens, and they're just, like, burping fire on all these, like, military ET-looking sons of bitches. Like, like I, I wasn't buying none of it. Like, when Marvel when Marvel makes crazy purple, like, they, I can't explain this, but they do it in a way that, like, yes, I know this is fake, but also it looks exactly how that fake should look. Like this just this just absolutely didn't do it. And the second reason that this is a bad movie is strictly from what I was saying when ever the origin happened way too quick. The the origin story oh that God. they get out of the way oh way God. too quick. Right. Now I think I think that there is a lot I can defend them a little bit by saying a huge criticism from a lot of fans in comic book movies is like, hey, look we all know the goddamn origin story. Just get into it. Like if you spend the entire movie doing the, doing the origin story, then you better hope that there's that. And that's why like for, for a very long time, that's why Spider-Man two is considered better than Spider-Man one, because it didn't have to waste any time with the origin. Here's the deal though. Green Lantern is not a Superman, Spider-Man type character. Most people actually don't fucking know what this origin story is. And if you're going to just, quick sell it like that then you can't expect me to three scenes later see this girl and go oh right they have a, a wishy-washy relationship because they were actually friends when they were kids and it was like there was there was barely a first second and third act it was like there was a first and a half act that got over with really quickly right. and then the villains all died way too easy coming from this dude who like he had one training course with a fucking, uh, like a pig giant alien. And now all of a sudden he's just going to whoop the parcels or whatever the parlax is ass. Like the most badass thing, like Sinestro can't even take this motherfucker down. Right. But this goddamn asshole is just going to be like, yeah, I mean, you know, I'm a pilot and I'm kind of a maverick, but like I'll punch him with a ring. I think they hurried too much. Um, I didn't see a clear, like, from I can't remember what the the senator's son who ends up looking like fucking Eric Stoltz from The Mask. That's another criticism I have. He literally looked just like Eric Stoltz from The Mask whenever he got that alien symbiote that went into him. How the fuck did no one that was in the middle of directing or whatever not look at that and go, yeah, this is Eric Stoltz from Mask. Like, he looks just fucking like him. So you don't really, like, his only motivations you ever see are, Oh, my daddy's a senator, and I can read minds now. And he called me an embarrassment once in my brain. But like, I don't really get his motivations. 
basically it's a bad movie because they don't take enough time developing any of the characters or developing any of the stories and the two main villains in it were just way too easily murdered. And I also would like to uh, make a side note. When we first see Ryan Reynolds, like realize like I'm Green Lantern, like he starts getting the transformation. He, his eyes, he has these fucking Cal Ripken eyes that just, I mean, it's hard. It's hard not to fucking just still sit there and watch that dude for two hours suck. You know what I mean? Like, God damn, son. What a hard-bodied, vascular son of a bitch with piercing baby green son of a bitch, dude. So I think we know what the answer is to the next question, which we're going to do every single week on Corey Reviews, is what is something redeeming? And you think his what's redeeming about this movie is our eyes that could play 2,131 straight games? Um, that's hilarious. I think, I think that what's redeeming about this movie is that it wasn't ever boring. It was kind of redeeming because I wasn't mad when I got done watching it. I was not like, ugh, two hours of my life gone. Um, I, you know, as much as I hated the, the CGI outfit and stuff, like it was still colorful and fun. And there's still part, like, obviously I'm a superhero comic book fan. So like, colors and vibrant stuff and fun is still often as important to me as, I mean, I still want and need a good story, but if you've got the fun and the explosions and the fast paced stuff, I'm still going to sit there. You know, there were no lulls, I guess there was literally not one time where I was like, where the fuck are they going with this? I always knew where they were going. It was a goddamn dead end, but I still knew where they were going and it was fast paced and colorful and uh, and and also, I mean, Ryan Reynolds and Blake Lively are fucking hot, man. Like they're like, I don't want to sound uh, like a like a sexist or a, or a uh, what's the uh, what's the word uh, misogynist, uh, misog- yeah, or whatever the fuck it. They're just a pig. But like, but I'm saying it about Ryan Reynolds too. Not just her. They're good looking people to watch. Like, there's a reason why there was a lot of movies in the 30s that Humphrey Bogart made that might have sucked, but he looked real good. So people were like, well, it's the best we got. So we're going to fucking watch that, you know? They had to make them both even better. Like, while Ryan Reynolds is such a maverick, he will cost the military millions of dollars to be right. And she's not only a brilliant test pilot, but she prefers and enjoys running the entire business of the private plane company. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Corey, you've answered this question, I think. Is it so good it's bad? That's a resounding yes from you, right? Yeah, oh yeah. Is it so bad it's good? Yeah, I I think so. And do you have a favorite line or moment or memory of this movie that you can use to perhaps best represent your feelings about it? I mean, honest to God, dude, like my favorite moment, just because it's the one that like I literally laughed out loud by myself when when Hector is his name, Hector, uh, he starts feeling sick because he's got the alien, the yeller uh, alien symbiote in him and he's about to start going through the change. The second that he fucking turned around and I realized that it was just fucking Eric Stoltz with elephant man syndrome and nobody caught that. I laughed so goddamn. And also literally right after that, right after that, when he's, uh, they go in Angela Bassett, hilarious Angela Bassett. I was going to mention that the Angela Bassett rutted is one of those things where literally I'm watching by myself and I may have said out loud, 
Is that fucking Angela Bassett? That's what I'm saying. It's so, it's so funny because like like so many there was a lot of actors like Tim Robbins was in there, but Tim Robbins for some reason it wasn't like oh shit is that Tim Robbins like I you know whatever. But when I saw Angela Bassett, I almost halfway expected her to be playing Angela Bassett for some reason. But I was like oh is that Angela Bassett? So and you were not disappointed. <laughs> no hell no hell no I wasn't at all. So but when after he becomes Eric Stoltz, uh, Mask Morty or whatever he is, he they they go get him. And like none of them at until he sees his dad, no one is taken back at all by the fact that he now has a pumpkin on his fucking forehead. Right, They're just right, like, right. so are you ready to go do your science? And he's just like, I've never felt better that I feel at this moment. And they're like, good. Anyway, so our contract is with the guy. Right. And they just keep dragging him through. Like no one's like, hey, man, do you think we should give this guy a fucking cat scan or something? His brain <laughs> seems to be like out there you know what i mean like it seems like his brain ain't how it ought be yeah no one said you know no offense son but you're looking a little bit like john merrick you know the no yeah, no one yeah. said a goddamn word until he sees his dad and is like oh shit my favorite line was at the beginning when the dad throws <laughs> the jacket to the kid mean joe says, greens him he, he says keep it warm for me and i'm thinking to myself that motherfucker's died <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah <laughs> Oh yeah. Like you have totally just prophesied this moment for me. I mean, we, we all have to assume it's a superhero movie. His, all his parents can't live, you know, like in order for you to be a superhero, you must be an orphan, but like, keep it warm for me, kid. Like he just, like all he had to do was hand him a fucking glass bottle of Coke after that, just to really bring it full circle. And so it's not all bad news. We enjoyed it. It, you're so right. It wasn't like what I was dreading, which is like sitting watching a dreadful movie. It was fun. It was interesting. And speaking of good things. Bright spot of the week. Bright spot of the week. Bright spot of the week. Everything is not fucked. This week's bright spot of the week will be a little more self-serving and sappy than the rest will be going forward, which, I mean, that's real smart, isn't it? Introduce a segment on the first podcast and then immediately admit that it will be different going forward. I, I'm a genius. But my bright spot of this week is, well, this podcast and all of you who have already subscribed, downloaded, and listened. These past few months have been hard on everyone, no matter who you are, and honestly, I've been very fortunate. I've had plenty of work to hold me over that I can do while sitting at home, uh, and for the first time in my marriage, I've actually gotten to be like a husband and shit, which is weird. It's super weird, but... Uh, I have desperately needed to stretch my creative legs even more so than I already am in order to fill the void that is usually filled by going on tour and performing in front of a live audience and meeting people and, you know, so so on and so forth. So thank you for listening and making this a worthwhile endeavor for me. I hope that you continue to listen. hope you give feedback and let me know what you'd like to hear on this podcast. My other podcast, The Well-Read Podcast, is certainly different now than it was nearly 200 episodes ago, and obviously for the better, in my opinion. And that was due to constantly evolving and tweaking, uh, which means that it is very possible that by January, this podcast will sound a lot different than it did today. And it is my goal for that to be a good thing. Skew. This podcast is brought to you in part by my new special, Corey Ryan Forster, live at the Bijou. Here's a clip from the special where I talk about Civil War reenactments in my hometown of Chickamauga, Georgia. Hope you enjoy. 
One of my favorite parts about the Civil War reenactment is just how committed to the bit these reenactors are. They are so committed to that. Like, that is Colonel Johnson all goddamn weekend. You know what I'm saying? That ain't Paul no more. That's Colonel Johnson. Like, if you're out there and you're like me and you were bummed out when Daniel Day-Lewis decided to call it quits after Phantom Thread because you're truly going to miss the commitment to the thespian craft that he brought day in and day out, well, look no further than Chickamauga, Georgia on War Between the States days where these reenactors are truly putting the meth in method acting. It is unlike anything you've ever seen. So, they do. You, they, they commit to the bit so hard, you can't even pump gas in my hometown of Chickamauga, Georgia, on War Between the States days without having some dude in a full bird Confederate uniform holding a musket walking past you while you're pumping gas just going, huh. What, pray tell, <laughs> is that strange liquid you're putting in that horseless carriage? I have never seen such a thing in all my days. I'm like, Bill, this is your fucking gas station, dude. You know what I'm saying? Like, you took, you took the day off to be racist. Man, the credit card machine. I've got shit to do. I'd love to go down the street and get a barbecue sandwich. We only live on one road and both sides are blocked off with a goddamn cannon. I hate this war. It's dumb. There are several easy ways for you to pick up Corey Ryan Forster live from the Bijou. You can PayPal buttercreamcorey at gmail.com and just PayPal whatever amount you want. I'm trying to do this to where everyone can afford it in these weird times. There's no amount that will offend me. Uh, there's also no amount too much. <laughs> but, but like I said, I want everybody to be able to afford it um, if you can't afford to pay anything. Please also just email me at buttercreamcorey, uh, or excuse me, email buttercreamcorey at gmail.com and we'll get you taken care of. This will also be available on gumroad.com. I will share that link in the podcast description and as well over on gumroad.com. It will be a pay whatever you want situation. So I hope you enjoy it and I love you guys. Now back to this podcast through the screen door with Corey Ryan Forster. That's me. Skew. All right, we've had a fun show, but a lot of people, Corey, especially recently, want to hear from the Buttercream Dream. What are, what are the chances? Oh, that guy. Oh, that guy. Get, get a hold of that fellow right there. He seems to have taken the world by storm. Yeah, I don't think it'll be hard to wrangle that guy uh, up. He's, he's, usually, uh, he's usually always just sitting out in the, uh, in the garage or the porch with the belt over his shoulder, ready to, ready to snap at any time. Well, let's see if we can wake him up. And now, a moment with the buttercream dream. Go, you beans! Listen here real quick, you soggy, stomach-turning, insupportable scurvy of the supermarket aisle. The buttercream dream wants you to know that if you are going to bend over backwards to support a man who hasn't had a bean since he pretended to eat a bowl of chili during a campaign stop at a union hall in Paducah, Kentucky, then I am through putting your sloppy, sorghum-looking succotash anywhere near my supple and savory, sensational lips. I'd just as soon eat a sloppy joe out of Mike Pence's mama's booty hole than give another hard-earned dollar to a brazenly boot-licking bumblefuck dipshit company like yours. So this week, I'm challenging you to a loser eats a can of dog food match, which really ain't fair on a 
counter. That's what you've been serving for years. Well, the buttercream dream always has a lot to say, Corey. Today was no exception. Absolutely not, man. That guy's, uh, he's full of fury. He's full of life. He's full of beans. Well, we've, (laughs) he certainly is. We've learned a lot today, Corey, on our debut episode of Through the Screen Door. Of course, make sure to subscribe. Give us a five-star review, especially today, and tell all your friends about it. Make sure to go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash screen door for tons of bonus footage, including this week an extended conversation of why we might have theories on the Queen movie and the Elton John movie. Corey, what have we learned today, if anything? Uh, Well, you know, I think that I personally have learned uh, regarding Green Lantern uh, that you shouldn't uh, judge. I don't want to say a book by its cover, but like, you know, I I think that critics were a little harsh on it. So I think you should go into everything with maybe a more open mind. Um, I think we've learned that I can talk way too long about my opinions on superhero movies, much like a python unhinging their jaw to eat an antelope. Uh, And I think we've learned that me and you have a really good time talking together, and I look forward to doing this next week and every week until one of us inevitably eats that final cheeseburger in the sky. (laughs) Well, I'm looking forward to it, too. Please make sure to let us know what you think. I'm on Twitter at Matt Coon Music. Corey, you're at Corey R. Forrester. Is that correct? You are correct, sir. So make sure to reach out on there. Corey and I have no life at all, so we will answer every single person, uh, hopefully. Absolutely. And I would also like to throw this out there. Um, If you have a shit movie or a movie that you consider shit that you would like me and Mr. Matt Coon to watch, just go ahead and tweet that at both of us. You can just do hashtag screen door, I guess, if that's what if that's what you want to do. As long as you tweet it at us, we will see it. Um, Also, uh, I'm having a really good time writing these this week in Southern history. If some story you know of uh, in Southern history is about to come up and you think it's worthy of being covered in these uh, three to four minute. Well, I say that next week's I've already written and it's seven and a half minutes long. Cause I had such a goddamn good time writing it. Um, if you have a, a, an idea that, that you think you'd like to be covered, shoot it to me. And uh, I will definitely take into consideration or probably hell just do a goddamn bonus one. Who knows? I'm wild as shit. So uh, I want this to be a very interactive podcast with the fans. If you guys, uh, I don't even have to ask you if you don't like something, tell me because that's what the internet's literally the best at. You you never have to be like, Hey guys, please critique me. Like that's just comes completely unwarranted. If you could be so troubled as to micromanage your criticism, I'd appreciate that if you could be so, so troubled. Yeah, and as Kuhn said, over on our uh, Patreon, uh, we've got bonus stuff. And I believe, tell me if I'm wrong, ad-free shows? Ad-free shows. We also want to reach out to you. The Dipshit of the Week, I think, is a segment we're going to do every week. And Corey goes through a wide – Corey spends more time on Dipshit of the Week than anything. He really goes through a wide variety of people. And he decides, so please let us know who you think should be the dipshit of the week. And Corey will unbiasedly and very thoroughly pick who he thinks 
should be the the dipshit of that week, correct? Absolutely. And same goes for Bright Spot of the Week. If you see something out there that really warms your heart, that makes you feel nice and velvety in this uh, just never-ending hellscape that we find ourselves having to navigate through, go ahead and send that uh, to us. If for anything, it will make us feel better and you'll get a better show because we're in a good mood. Well, thanks, guys. It's been a ride. We are learning as we go, and we're going to keep trying to bring you the best show we possibly can. And we're going to close out today's show with a little something that Corey likes to call... Rednecks reading movie monologues. Through the Screen Door podcast is proud to present our first of many recurring segments focusing on art, culture, and high society. We bring you... Rednecks Reading Famous Movie Monologues. Our first installment comes from the movie Goodwill Hunting, the famous bench scene delivered by Robin Williams' character Sean McGuire, as performed by your cousin Jimmy, who coaches his stepson's Little League baseball team. If I asked you about art, you'd probably give me the skinny on every single art book ever written, wouldn't you? Yeah. Michelangelo, know a lot about him, don't you? Whole life's work, political aspirations, sexual orientation, him and the Pope, all that shit. I bet you can't tell me what it smells like in the Sistine Chapel, boy. What it's like to stand there in that beautiful building just looking up at that ceiling. Huh. If I asked you about women, you'd probably give me a syllabus of your personal favorites. And hell, you might have even had your dick sucked once or twice, but you can't tell me what it feels like. To wake up next to a woman and feel truly happy. Yeah, you're a tough kid. I ask you about war, you probably throw Shakespeare at me. Once more into the breach, dear friends. But you ain't never been near one, pussy. You ain't ever held your best friend's head in your lap and watched him gasp his last breath looking to you for help. If I asked you about love, you'd probably quote me a sonnet. But you ain't ever looked at a woman and felt totally vulnerable. Just knowing that someone could level you with their eyes. Just feeling like God put an angel on this earth just for you who could rescue you from the depths of hell, boy. You wouldn't know what it's like to be her angel and to have that love for her to be there forever through anything, through cancer. Now, you wouldn't know about sleeping, sitting up, in a hospital room for two months holding her hand because the doctor could see in your eyes that the term visiting hours do not apply to you. No, you don't know about real loss, boy. Because that only occurs when you love something more than you love yourself, and I doubt you've ever dared to love anybody that much. I look at you, I don't see an intelligent, confident man. I see a cocky, scared, shitless kid. But you're a genius, Will. No one denies that. No one could possibly understand the depths of you. But you presume to know everything about me. Because you saw a painting of mine, and you ripped my fucking life apart. You're an orphan, right? Do you think I'd know the first fucking thing about your life and how hard it's been and how you feel or who you are because I read Oliver fucking Twist? Does that... Does that encapsulate you? Well, personally, I don't give a shit about all that because you know what? I can't learn anything from you that I can't read in some fucking book. Unless you want to talk about you, who you are, and I'm in. But you don't want to do that, do you, sport? Mm-mm. Because you are terrified of what you might say. Your move, chief. Take it.